Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house. Now, historians tell us that the Italian band was an elite fighting force within the Roman army, and they were from Italy devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision. Everybody say a vision. Say a vision. Evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayer and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call one Simon, whose name is Peter. Surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now, when Peter was relaying this account in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 11, he goes back to Jerusalem after everything that transpires that we're going to talk about here for a little bit. And he tells the church at Jerusalem what has happened with this Gentile household. The gospel has now reached to the Gentiles. He tells them about his vision, and he says that An angel of the Lord spoke to Cornelius and said, He shall tell you what you ought to do to be saved. Not just good advice. He was not just giving good advice. He said, He shall tell thee what thou ought to do to be saved. Verse 7. When the angel would speak unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up unto the house of, or the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry. And when he would have eaten, he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Everybody say, a trance. Cornelius had a vision and he was visited by an angel and Peter fell into a trance. And so I want to talk to you tonight about angels, visions, and trances. Praise God. Would you pray with me right now? I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in this place tonight. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Help me pray. I pray, Lord, that you would minister, Lord, in this place. I praise your holy name. I glorify you, Lord Jesus. Pray that you would have your way in this sanctuary tonight. Let the name of Jesus be highly exalted. Let lives be changed. Let us as a church grasp the things of God that you want to relate to us here tonight. And everybody said, in Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a little bit. We are, we are in a crucial hour as the world, and we are in a crucial transition as a church. Transitions many times are, they can be difficult because there are uncertainties. But we never stop being the church. And I'm thankful that the Lord has us on a course and he knows exactly what he's doing. I have been using lately the words adaptability and agility. I think those are two qualities and character traits that are vital to the forward movement and the success of the church itself. We can't ever get stuck in a rut of just having good church. We always have to understand that the Lord is leading us 
uh, he is navigating, he is driving the ship, and there is a lost world that he is wanting to reach. We have a metro area, and I've always used the the number 1.3 million, and somebody told me the other day that when you, when you go out to the far reaches of the metro, and of course I've been using 1.3 for 20 years, so, uh, but that number is now 1.6 million, and the population is exploding around the Louisville metro area. If you don't believe it, look at the traffic that has picked up. And I understand we've had some, you know, closures on the bridge and that kind of stuff and that backs things up, but you'll understand that there are more cars on the road in this metro than than I have ever seen before. There are souls that are busy going about their daily routine and they need a church that is that is not afraid to be adaptable. The early church went through uh, some severe times of persecution. And we find one of those times in the sixth and the seventh chapter of the book of Acts when it talks about uh, Stephen and Philip being selected with five other men that we don't really hear too much about in the New Testament. I suppose if you research them, they're there somewhere. But you hear about Stephen and you hear about Philip. And Stephen was a man that was chosen to serve tables, to take care of the business of the church in serving so that the 12 apostles could focus on study the word and preaching and prayer. And Stephen was not going to just allow himself to be relegated just to the business of the church but the Bible said he was a man of faith and power, and he, there were miracles that were taking place as a result of him, and of course, it drew the attention of the hierarchy, and they were very critical of that, and so they brought him before the council, and he testified about the hardness of, their, the, hardness of the heart of their ancestors, and how they provoked God to anger, and how they went headlong into idolatry. And regardless of what Moses and Abraham had led them to do, there were generations that came in the future that knew not God. And then he turns to them and he, he basically says, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about them, but I'm referring to you, you stiff-necked of heart. And you always do err from the truth. And it didn't take very long for it to anger them, and they, they stoned him. Of course, he lifted up his eyes toward heaven, and in his dying breath, he uttered similar words to that of Jesus when he was on the cross and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge, and he died. That was at the conclusion of Acts chapter 7. When we open chapter 8 of Acts, it says that Saul was consenting Unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad. Everybody say they were scattered abroad. The church was scattered. A lot of times we think that's a bad thing. We don't want the church to be scattered, we want it to be in unity. But the Lord was going to use this scattering. They were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea. And Samaria. Everybody say Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now they were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house. And hailing men and women committed them to prison. They were literally dragging people out of their homes and taking them to prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me you've been through persecution. And the Bible said in verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went into, went everywhere. Say they went everywhere. Preaching the word. The scattering was not a bad thing. It happened because they were fearful that they were going to be next. They were afraid that what happened to Stephen was going to happen uh, to them. 
the Lord can use even disaster to propagate the gospel. It is his will to get the gospel to the four corners of the earth. And he doesn't expect us to do it by ourselves. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But the Lord, that the church wasn't, they weren't afraid to preach even in the scattering. They were running for fear and they were, they were leaving Jerusalem because they were terrified that they were going to be stoned to death. But in their scattering, they began to preach the word of God everywhere. The Lord needs a church that will preach the word everywhere. It's okay if you agree with that. In the midst of calamity, preach it. In the midst of fear, preach it. In the midst of confusion, preach the gospel. In the midst of uncertainty and questions, we preach the gospel. The Lord is trying to get the gospel out to the four corners of the earth. And the Bible said the title here over chapter 4 in, in the common, uh, the, the complete word study Bible is the gospel proclaimed in Samaria. Now, if you remember, Samaria was the place that the Jews didn't have any dealings with. That was the place that when Jesus said, I must needs go there, the disciples were like, I don't know about this. I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, I, this is not the wisest thing to do. And Jesus went anywhere uh, anyway, and he went into Samaria, into a city called Sychar, and he found a woman by a well there and began to prophesy and to give her words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And she went to her family members and to her local community and said, come see a man that has told me everything I've ever done before. And when she came back, the disciples had gone to get bread and they had come back by that time. And Jesus was ministering to them. And there was a, there was a small revival that happened there in Samaria. And so now years have passed and now the disciples and and not just the 12 but the disciples that that had been scattered from Jerusalem are preaching the word of God everywhere and they go down into the city Philip goes down into the city of Samaria, verse 5, and he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now we talk about revival and we, we pray for revival. We're praying for this last day harvest and, and we want to be a part of this great Holy Ghost explosion that's going to sweep the world. But we want it to be pretty. We want it to be nice and clean where we don't get our suits wrinkled and, and we're still able to wear our nice shoes and, and we're okay that we want everybody to like us and we want to have plenty of money in our pockets and, and we want it to be well organized with a good music program and, and good lighting and, good, and, a, and a comfortable building to sit in. But, but the point of the matter is, is that probably before the Lord comes back, it might get worse. But it's not going to stop the gospel from being preached. You can get with me tonight. I know I'm not hollering yet. God has called every person sitting in this building to preach and teach the gospel, to share what you know. Brother Shock always says, if you know it, you owe it. There is something that God has deposited in our spirit. And I'm going to tell you, there's a Samaria out there where the Lord has gone before us. And has sowed some seed. There have been somebody that, that the Lord found somewhere, somewhere some, some time in some generation. I don't know where it is. But God is going to send people back in these last days into those areas that everybody else has rejected. And he's going to send them back in with a word from the Lord. And great signs and wonders are going to take place. Can I just reiterate to you tonight that we are part of the most exciting thing going on planet Earth. Hollywood ain't got nothing on the church. The NBA don't have anything uh, on the church. The rap music doesn't have anything on the church. Come on, somebody. Governments are not more powerful than the church. We are the most powerful force on planet Earth. If you believe that, would you clap your hands? If you're thankful to be a part of that, would you clap your hands? 
The Bible says there was a man in that city that had bewitched the city. His name was Simon, and he was referred to as Simon the sorcerer, and he had bewitched them. And when they began to witness to him and preach to him, they ended up baptizing him in the name of the Lord, even though he came along when he saw them laying hands on people and them receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, how much money is that going to cost me to have this gift that you have that I may lay my hands on people and, and, and them get the Holy Ghost as well? Peter said, thy money perish with you. And, and you are, you're in the gall of bitterness. You're in the bond of iniquity if you think that this can be purchased. Do you understand? It's already been purchased. It is free. I'm just going to take my time a little bit here. I'm laying some groundwork. What we have is free because it's already been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why would 7 billion people on earth not be rushing to the house of God to get what the Lord died to give them? The gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not something you've got to go take out a loan or a line of credit for. You don't have to mess up your credit trying to overindulge yourself to get what is in this building. It is free. To think that there's something better that we would want to do on midweek night or Sunday morning or Sunday night rather than be in the house of the Lord and experience this. We've got the real power of God and it's free. You don't have to pay anything. All you got to do is say, God, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner and I need the grace of God. I need you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And so in verse 26 of chapter 8, the Bible said, And the angel of the Lord. Everybody say, the angel of the Lord. I'm talking about angels, visions, and trances. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. Philip, you man of God, I need you to get up from where you are, and I need you to go down to the desert. I need you to leave the safety and the comfort of the walls of Jerusalem. I need you to leave during this time uh, of, of the festivities and everything that's happening here. And I need you to go down to the desert. Don't ever mistake what God will do in your desert. Don't ever mistake the fact that there's sometimes that the Lord will lead you into the desert because there is a work that he's trying to groom you to do in the desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. Now, it wasn't just any man of Ethiopia. The Bible describes him as a eunuch of great authority. Under Candace, that's with a C, not that Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure. He was an important man. He was the treasurer of the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot. He read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. You will be shocked at who the Lord tells you to get up in the same chariot with so that you can explain the word of God more clearly to them. I wonder how many people are sitting in this metro area tonight with their word opened up trying to thumb through all the YouTube channels to find somebody that can tell them the truth. I wonder is there anybody that's turning the pages of the scripture saying, God, is there anybody out there that can tell me what this means in the scripture? God's going to use some people in this place tonight. I know this is old-fashioned soul-winning preaching. But God's going to use somebody in this time, in this era, in this hour and tell you to go to some very strange places and join yourself to some very strange people and it's going to be a God moment and you're going to step in the middle of something that you're going to realize that you have been sent there to give revelation to somebody and explain the word of God more perfectly to them. They may say, I want to do that. I want to do that. The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. To, to this chariot. Now, I don't, I don't know if Philip was an introvert or an extrovert, but he was obedient to God. Now, I know, I know we kind of like God used somebody else. You use the preacher. That's for the preaching staff. I, you know, not really, I haven't been in this thing very long. I can't explain it like somebody else can. I need a preacher to be able to do that. Maybe paid staff 
can do that. No, you are going to do that. You're going to do that. This was a man that was chosen to serve tables. That was his only responsibility. Nobody told him to preach. Nobody told him to cast out devils or do miracles. But the Lord used him. Is there anybody that's sitting? I'm not asking you to stand or anything. But is there anybody that's sitting on the pew tonight that in your mind saying, God, I'll serve you anywhere you want me to serve you in the kingdom of God. I will do whatever you ask me to do. But Lord, don't leave me out of the supernatural sign and wonders that you're going to do in this hour. I want a word in my mouth. I want to say anybody out there that can't hardly put one sentence together but would be, would be obedient to the Holy Ghost when the Holy Ghost moves on you that a prophetic word would come out of your mouth that you would join yourself to a chariot at the right moment at the right time and God would use you to reach a lost soul. Now we're headed somewhere so just, just stay with me. And so he explains to him, and he ends up baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Lord carries Philip away. There's nobody there left to disciple him, but I want you to notice this. When you look at the beginning of the second and third chapters of the book of Acts, we see the masses receiving the Holy Ghost. We see 120, we see 3,000, and then we see 5,000. But now, all of a sudden, God is reaching for individuals. He is going, he's leaving the masses, and he is in search of people that, that are just, there seem to be obscure. But that man was an important man. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, God's going, okay, I need to get the gospel to Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. But I don't have an inroad to Candace. But I've got a man over here that can intersect the path of her trip. And if I can get to the treasurer, he'll take the gospel back to the queen of the Ethiopians. Do you understand that everything in this world is connected? And the person that you're witnessing to at work just might be connected to somebody on a higher level. But God is going to be determined to get the gospel in the White House and in the Kremlin. He's going to get it around the world. I don't know how he's going to do it, but you've got to be willing to be used of him in this moment of time. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Now, it opens in chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, it talks about Paul's conversion. Now, listen, listen to this carefully. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to, unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, the Lord arrests him. He tells him, he tells him to arrest him with the light. He's blinded for three days. He goes into Damascus, and he's told to look uh, for a man by the name of Ananias. And in verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel. This is him speaking to Ananias. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. This was a man that was wreaking havoc in the church. He was causing division in the church. He was going into houses of people that were preaching the name of Jesus and he was dragging them to jail. That was this man. And God said, he is a chosen vessel unto me. You are going to be shocked at who the Lord is going to use in this hour. Don't you write off those hateful people that attack the church all the time. Don't you write off those family members that make fun of you at family reunions. Don't you write off that supervisor at work that's constantly mocking who you are in the kingdom of God and talking you down because that may be the one that God says, I know it looks like they hate the church right now, but they are a chosen vessel unto me. Can anybody believe that God is about to do something extraordinary in this hour? It is going to be so supernatural that you can't even imagine how powerful that this revival is going to be. 
Oh, I wish somebody just take a break and praise him here for a moment. Yeah. And so he, he's got letters from the, from the high priest. He goes to the high priest and he's saying, I need to go to Damascus and shut this down. I need your decree. I need your signature. And I'm going to take the papers to the synagogues. That's what he said. I'm going to take them to the synagogues. I'm going to take them to the leaders of the synagogues to shut this down. But then you go on down to verse 20. Listen, he's gone through his conversion now. He has been taught by Ananias now. And in verse 20 of the same chapter, it's only 20 verses later. Straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. The very place that he was going to shut down the revival. Now he becomes an evangelist in the revival. God is going to reach after some of the most hateful people. People that have lived for the devil just as hard as they could live for the devil. People that have gone as far away from the church as they could go. People that have put out news press releases uh, on the church and attacked the church on social media. God is going to arrest them in the middle of the night if he's got to knock them down and strike them blind. He's going he's to raise up some men and women of God uh, that will go to the very places uh, that they thought that they would never go uh, to preach the gospel. Oh, I wish I had somebody believe me right now. And the, and the Bible said in verse 22 that, that Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him and their laying await was known of Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. They are letting down the very man that had come to shut them down. Because they realize the value of it. I, I'm telling you, this may not be your message here tonight, but I feel something all over me. There is something that is going to happen in this hour. The reason I know that is because of what I feel in my spirit and the fact that the devil is so mad right now. You look at the anger and the torment and the fear that he's trying to inject uh, into our world. He is ticked off right now because he senses uh, that there is a powder keg uh, that is under what used to be the sleeping giant called the church. Uh, and it's waking up. Uh, we're not fooled by your lies anymore, devil. We're not bowing down to your idols. Uh, we're not afraid of being thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, we are a people that are anointed for this hour. I've come to preach to somebody right now. Don't you check out now Because it's about to get good On the world scene The devil will not have the last say Jesus will have the last say And the very people that rise up against us God will turn them into apostles And prophets and evangelists And pastors and teachers Because the gospel will go to the whole earth And then shall the end come Well hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, you can be seated. And now we come to chapter 10. And here is God going now for another individual. It's not the masses. It's not, it's not 100,000 people. Some would say it's not, really, it's not really worth your time, Lord, but Cornelius was an important man. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch, was an important man that was able to get the gospel to areas that the disciples couldn't get it to. Cornelius was an influential man that ran an elite fighting force. And an angel of the Lord visited him and gave him a vision. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayers and thine alms have come up as a memorial before the Lord. Your prayer and your giving. Your prayer and your giving have come up as a memorial unto God. And so God has a man waiting to explain the next chapter of your life. He's going to come and tell you what you ought to do to be saved. And it's going to begin right there. Now I don't know where the rest of Cornelius' story is, but I know that it didn't end there. 
I know there was something that God had in mind for Cornelius or he would not have gone to the lengths that he went to. Now I'm going to let a little bit of the cat out of the bag here. This revival and this harvest and these soul winning, this, this outreach and the stuff that we do, the stuff that happened in our soul winners boot camps and all the heaven and hell and all the baptisms and, and the hundreds of thousands of people that have been baptized over the last 20 years across four campuses. We didn't do that by ourselves. It included some angels that were working with us. It included a vision. And included sometimes where the Lord had to take us completely out of reality and put us in a trance uh, so he could give us a glimpse of what he really wanted to do. Uh, I got news for you. If you think that we've seen all that God is ever going to do, you've come too late to tell me that because I remember some prayer meetings uh, where some of you couldn't get up off the carpet. I remember some 12 and 18 hour prayer meetings. Uh, I remember 24 hour prayer meetings. Uh, I remember some times uh, when we got together to pray uh, when we were intoxicated on the Holy Ghost uh, and God showed you a glimpse uh, of what lie ahead uh, in a vision uh, in a trance uh, God sending angels into the streets uh, of our city we are not doing this on our on our own uh, there is a supernatural side uh, to the soul winning uh, and the revival come on don't just clap your hands and look at me uh, somebody needs to open your mouth uh, and say ah am about to get connected to what is happening in the supernatural realm and I'm going to be involved I'm going to be involved in what God's doing so watch the coordination right now it could very well be in this service while we're here somebody somewhere is in a living room Seeing a vision. It could be that an angel. Let's just say it. It not could. But let's just say it is. That there's angels moving through this city. Because we've been releasing that angel that went to Cornelius' house for years. We've been praying that. You think that angel died? It's not. It's eternal. That angel ain't dead. We've been releasing that angel for years. That same angel that went to Cornelius' house, God, we needed to walk through the west end of Louisville. We needed to walk down Cane Run Road. We needed to walk in every subdivision and every community. We pray, God, that an angel would come and let a vision be seen by somebody and say, Thy prayer and thine arms have come up as a memorial. And so it might sound something like this. It might sound something like this. Whoever their name is, send down to 2814 Mount Tabor Road. Or send over to Hope Ministries. Or send, send your servants over to Louisville Central. Send somebody down to that preacher's home. Because he's going to come and he's going to tell you what you ought to do. Send them to her address. She's the, the, the quiet, shy type that doesn't make too many ripples. She doesn't say too much. Am I boring, y'all? She doesn't, she doesn't say, she doesn't kind of get out of her box, but she's got some knowledge that you need to have. She may not be the, the preacher of all preachers. She may just be kind of to herself and a little introverted. But what I have put in her, she can give you the answers to every question that you have about me. My God, he can use anybody. Be seated. I wonder how many devout people there are in this city that are bound up in false doctrine, but they're devout in their faith toward God. People have been lying to them, but they're devout. They read their Bible every day. They're kind-hearted. They're good to their neighbor. They live right. Praise God. They're devout. And they fear God with all their house and their givers. They'll send their money out wherever they can be a blessing. And they pray to God always. But they just don't have the components of the truth. I wonder how many people are out there like that. Now, this is what happens with Peter. Peter is not just seeing a vision for Cornelius. Peter is seeing a vision of the gospel being open to the whole world. Because this is what he sees. He sees a sheep. 
that comes down, knit from the four corners. Four is the number of creation. Four corners of the earth. This is not, this is not about Cornelius' house. This is about the four corners of the earth. And he sees on this sheet all manner of beast, wild beast, creeping things, all these kind of animals. And the voice of the angel says, or the Lord says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, I can't, I can't do that, Lord. Now, Peter saw this, the Bible said three times. He said, it happened thrice. The Lord was confirming to him. You didn't, that wasn't a figment of your imagination the first time. Let me show you again. And it disappears. And he said, look, just in case you still doubt, let me show you to you one more time. Because I know that you're going to realize when this moment comes, but you're going to doubt that the gospel is actually going to the Gentiles. I know, I know this, is, this has been of the Jews, even with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's been nine, ten years that have passed now, and y'all still have not gone to the Gentile nations. And he sees it come down, and he sees what I think is a global revival. I, I, I believe all manner, the description, all manner of four-footed beasts and creeping things and all these things is God saying for every nation, for every creed, for every skin color, for every dialect, for every creed, for every culture, for every single one of them, that's who the gospel is going to. And Cornelius is going to be the seed of a global revival that's going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the Bible said that while he questioned what it meant, that one of his messengers came to him and he said, hey, there's some men down at the gate, Peter. You need to come down off the roof. They, they say that they've been sent by somebody to talk to you. And when he comes down and he stands face to face to them and they're saying, hey, an angel, there was an angel of the Lord that went to our boss's house. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't embellish and he doesn't, he doesn't say stuff that doesn't happen. And there was a voice that came to him and a vision. He saw a vision and he saw you in the vision. I wonder if anybody's seeing your face in a vision. I'm talking about the supernatural side of soul winning. I wonder if there's somebody you're going to cross paths with in the grocery store and they're going to go. You know them? Have you seen them before? They look so familiar to me. Hold on. The vision. That dream I had. Why was this person in my dream? I, I'm telling you, God's going to do some stuff just like that. Some of your... Bo- oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, ho. Some of your bosses are going to call you in and you're going to think you're in trouble and they're going to look at you and say, why can't I get you out of my dreams? The Lord is talking to me in my dreams about you. What is it that you know that I need to know? You're not hearing what I'm saying. Your face is on record in heaven's biometric records. And God's saying, I'll take a face, I'll take a name, I will take their very identity and I will put it before people that need to know the gospel. How in the world are we going to reach 7 billion people on the earth? We're going to do it with angels, visions, and being carried away in the spirit. We're going to be used of God. Some of you need to believe what I'm telling you here tonight. Some of you need to get a vision. Watch, you can be seated. Some of you need to get a vision of the people that you've written off actually being saved. Now, I'm done preaching the gospel of them. I'm not taking the gospel of them. I have no reason to take. They're not going to listen to what I have to say. And you're going to, God's going to put you in a trance. God's going to show you a vision of people that you thought you couldn't reach. And you're going to question it. What does this mean? Why do these people that I have, that I have thought hated my guts all of these years, why am I seeing them let down on a seat like the four corners? 
corners of the earth because revival is about to spread to the four corners of the earth. The Antichrist is not doing anything but stirring up the church and getting us ready and getting us sick and tired of a world system. This world is not my home. And so he's telling them, they're telling him what, what's happening. And you could see the gears turning in Peter's mind. Whoa. Oh, that's what the sheet, that's what that meant. God, you're telling me you're going to take me to common people? Because the opposite of clean is not unclean. The opposite of clean is common. That's what they called them in Israel. When they separated things for festivities and whatever, everything had to be separated, consecrated, sanctified and everything. And nothing common could be a part of that ceremony. So he said, you, you're taking me to common people? People that show no interest in church? People that don't know the Jewish law? People that don't own a Bible? People that, that, that don't care? You, you're taking me to the atheist? Really? You're taking me to the people that don't believe you? you huh? Yeah, and God's going, Peter, I know you've heard the story just recently about Saul who wreaked havoc in the church. If you think this, that's a big deal, just watch what I'm about to do with Cornelius. And so the Bible, the Bible said that, that Peter, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from, for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And he has this conversation with them. And he comes down to Cornelius's house. And when he gets to Cornelius's house, Peter, in verse 34, opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, that's what the sheet meant. In every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witness of, witnesses of all Things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him. After he arose, he rose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. And to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whatsoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. That was all they needed to hear. Because when he said that, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision... That's the Jews, but in our language, the rest of the church, the people that, that thought that, that houses like this couldn't be saved, that people like this couldn't be reached, that the gospel would never penetrate the lives of people like this. Those people, the people that came with Peter, that believed were astonished as many as came with him because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any forbid water that these should not be baptized as well as we which have received, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them. He didn't ask them. He didn't invite them. He didn't say go pray about it. He didn't say think about it for a little while. He didn't say chew on it for a little while. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him, Terry, certain days I want to tell somebody in this place get ready for your Bible studies to be interrupted when people that'll say I can have remission of sins stop right there I want the Holy Ghost right now 
be prepared for worship services to be interrupted with people that are going to receive the Holy Ghost because God is getting ready to do something in the earth. There's angels that are at work. There's visions that are being cast. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him right now. Come on, I wish somebody would praise him right now. Now stay with me here for just a moment. Stay with me here for just a moment. The next chapter, I won't go into this in depth. Peter's in jail. Peter's in prison. And an angel of the Lord came and said, Peter, get up. We're getting out of here. And when he gets up, his chains fall off. He's walking out. Watch. He goes to the first ward, the second ward, and the third ward. And he comes to the gate. And he wist not what had happened for he thought he had seen a vision. Visions and angels and trances were part. I'm not talking about transcendental meditation and new age and all that kind of stuff. The Bible uses the word trance in the Old and the New Testament. I can't help it that the devil stole it. But a trance is where the Lord lifts you above the debt, above the bills, above the aches and pains, above the brokenness in the marriage and above the frustrations in your life, above, above your depression and above your anxiety and above your fear and all that. And he takes you into the euphoria of the spirit and he shows you a bigger picture that the reason you're fighting the hell is because there's a man by the name of Cornelius. I want to speak to some people in this place right now. The stuff that's in this building. You can't get it out of a cigarette. You can't get it out of a bottle of JD. You can't get it with rum and coke. You, you can't get it. You can't get it out of a little white powder. You can't get it out of methamphetamines. You can't get it out of prescription drugs. You can't get it out of fornication and adultery. Why in the world would you want to use all those weak substitutes that destroy your mind and destroy your body when the power of the Holy Ghost is right here? Well, I don't know if the Holy Ghost is for me. Well, somebody told me that everybody didn't need the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry they lied to you, but the Holy Ghost is the greatest gift that you could ever have. I'm, tell, I'm preaching the gospel to you right now. Except a man is born again of the water and the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I feel anointing. I feel anointing getting a hold of people right now. The young and the old and the middle aged. The young people, the children. I feel an anointing. Come on. There's an anointing that's going to get a hold of you. And God's going to draw you away to prayer. And in prayer, you're going to be carried away in the spirit. And an angel's going to visit you and say, wow, you're having this. I got Cornelius over there. His prayers have filled the cup up. And God is saying, it's come up before me as a memorial you know how God's going to fulfill this vision he's going to find devout men that fear God with all their house that give much alms they're going to come in here and they're going to say and they're going to come in hope and they're going to come in LC and they're going to say I don't know where this has been my whole life I've been praying my whole life and I don't know where this has been this has been elusive to me but what you've introduced me to, I'm going to take the prayer that I've been praying and I'm actually going to use it for something. I'm actually going to use it as a tool that's going to shake the world. And I'm going to take those alms that I've been given to all these charities out in the world and I'm going to move them from those charities into the kingdom of God. Those millions I've been given out there. I wonder how much alms that this devout man that was the head of an elite fighting force I wonder how much his alms totaled up that God said, that's got my attention. 
Do you understand? God has got all of the revenue and he's got all of the people. He's got all the leaders and he's got all the resources. But he's got to be able to mobilize the people that he has right now already in the kingdom to get us away from being bench warmers and, and, and an audience that sits and watches the platform perform and the stage. This is not a stage. This is a platform. This is a, this is a place where we pull people out of the world and into the kingdom of God. You, listen, you have got to be willing to be used in the kingdom of God to witness to every soul. I'm preaching to somebody out there that has never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Have you seen the news lately? This ain't weird. That's weird. Stealing from your own parents to buy another hit of Coke to fry your brain and let you escape for how long? For a few minutes, for an hour, for a couple hours, and do things that when you come down off of that, you're so ashamed you can't hardly show your face. Oh, that's not weird. This is weird. This ain't weird. This is love, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Listen, listen. I'm reaching for somebody in this place that's tired of pretending, that's tired of struggling, that's tired of fighting with addiction tired of fighting with, with the abuse of this world. You're sick and tired of going to bed every night and knowing that if Jesus returned tonight, you would go straight to a lake of fire and burn for eternity where there's no presence of God, where there's outer of darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there's continual falling, where there's terror, where, there, where there's violence, where there's murder, all these things that are going on, all of this evil stuff. In just one moment Every day I need the church to be patient with me right now The Holy Ghost is talking to somebody Every single day People slip into eternity What happened to them? They finally took just a little too much They finally pushed the envelope Just a little too far They finally moved the boundary back Just a few too many feet and they slipped into eternity and they were found laying on the floor, laying on the street somewhere, overdosed with white foam coming out of their mouth because they just couldn't turn it around. Once that moment comes, it's over. It's over. It's over. You think what you're going through in this life is hell? You ain't seen hell till you see hell. That's the kind of people I'm preaching the gospel to tonight. Those are the kind of people I need you to let God use you to reach. Where are you at, Cornelius? Maybe you're not Cornelius. Maybe you're Saul. Maybe you've hated the church. Maybe you've wreaked havoc of the church. Maybe you can't stand the saints of God. Maybe you said, I'll never live for God. But the Lord knows how to meet you on the road to Damascus. On the journey of destruction and knock you to the ground and cause you to be blind for three days so he can get you to get your attention. I preach you to a Saul that the God that God wants to turn into a Paul here tonight. You may be fighting the church now, but in a few days you'll be preaching the gospel. I'm preaching to somebody right now. The Holy Ghost is reaching. There's an angel in this place. There's angels that are moving. There's angels that are moving right now. I need the Lord. Come on, help me, church, right now. I need the Lord to give somebody a vision. Come on. I need the church to lift your voice. If you want to be used of God, you want to run to this altar and throw your hands up and say, God, I'm Philip. I'm Stephen. I don't mind being stoned to death. I don't mind people railing cuss words at me. I don't mind them mocking me around the water cooler. I'm Saul, I've been fighting the church. I've been fighting the church. But I don't mind if God knocks me to the ground tonight. 
Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. Come out of your drugs. Come away from your addiction. Come out of promiscuity tonight. Come out of your alcoholism. It's not leading anywhere but to destruction. You're on the path to destruction, and this preacher tonight is trying to put you on the path to eternal life. Come on, greater faith. We need a revival. Right now, while we're praying, there's angels that are given visions. I need somebody that, that don't mind being carried away in a trance right now. Oh, I need somebody in this place that doesn't mind to be lifted above reality so that God can use you. We need people reaching for young people, people reaching for children, people reaching for seniors, people reaching for them in the jail, in the shelters, in the senior, in, in the, whole, in the uh, nursing homes, in the middle class, in the school system, in campus ministry for singles and for hyphens. Come on, God wants to use you. You're part of the book of Acts church. Somebody on your block is counting on what you have. Somebody in your community, somebody in another town somewhere, somebody in another city somewhere. Somebody in this metro, they've hunkered down. They buried themselves in a gutter somewhere on Skid Row. They, they, they've done everything they can to escape the abuse of their childhood. They've done everything they can, but they're on the path to destruction. God needs a church. God needs a Philip. He needs a Stephen. Come on, can we pray for a little while? It's only 8 o'clock. Can we pray for just a little while? Would you pray for Louisville? And if you're not praying for yourself, let the Lord lay, lay a country on your mind and pray for that. In every nation, he that feareth God, in every nation, Come on, let's hit. Don't let the devil suffocate your burden tonight. God's raising up leaders. We are about to have a Holy Ghost revival in this metro. Ah, I need some people that don't mind. They don't care what time it is. I need some people that are saying, God, I don't mind if I got to sit on a housetop. But I need you to lay somebody on my heart tonight. I wonder who in this city is seeing your face right now, that's hearing your name right now. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Jesus' name. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. If you'll repent, you've got to open your mouth and cry out to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin-stained life. Forgive me, Lord, of the iniquity in my life and my heart. You've got to open your mouth and cry out to him. Lord, I'm tired of being religious. I need some prayer warriors. 
I need some intercessors right now. You've got lost family members. I know it looks like they'll never come back. But God can get a hold of them. God can send an angel to where they live. He can shake them. Call out to him. Call out to him. Jesus, in your mighty name, we need you to pour your spirit out. <laughs>